I'm energized, the more I'm heads up, the more I can connect with the world around me, the more I can have an impact on the world around me. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you are meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. How's your energy? Are you feeling wide awake in the morning, like you're ready to just start the day and take charge? Do you feel like well-rested when you wake up? And how about your energy throughout the day? Are you just at a good pace, feeling good, your mind's clear, strong willpower, doing good with your intermittent fasting, no craving, staying keto green, and you're just feeling awesome? Or are you struggling? Is it a struggle to get out of bed? Do you feel that 3 to 4 p.m. slump in the middle of the afternoon where you're like, man, I could just use a nap, but I don't have time, so I'm going to grab a cup of coffee? Do you feel like by the time you get to bed, you're just exhausted, but then you're up at 3 a.m. and can't get back to sleep? This is about our energy. Our body is our physiology drives our behavior and we need to improve our physiology on a regular basis. We need to detox, really choose the energy source that we're using to supply our body. And so today we're going to talk all about energy and the energy formula, which is actually the title of a book by a friend and colleague of mine named Sean Wells. He is a nutritional biochemist, a registered dietitian, and a certified sports nutritionist, also known as the ingrediologist, ingredientologist. <laughs> so um, he's really been a key uh, formulator in over 500 supplements in food and beverage and and, and cosmeceuticals. He has a number of patents after him. He's been a chief clinical dietitian and just has his own story going from obese and sick and depressed to really, you know, powerful, vital, a leader in this field, doesn't want anyone else to struggle. So just like me, he's a strong proponent of keto in a healthy way. And I want to share this, this discussion with you because we hit on some amazing, really key components. You know what I say, right? and that um, the thoughts are king, right? That when we change our thoughts, we can really empower our entire physiology. And the same thing, the way we nourish our body empowers our physiology, empowers our thoughts, right? So it works both ways. Uh, in our discussion, you'll hear Sean say that you are what you eat. It's not that, that's not really the case. You burn what you eat is really what we need to be focusing on, that we are burning what we eat and using what we eat versus being what we eat. And then um, the, you know, issue that we, we found in just working in the ketogenic world that oftentimes people think they're doing keto, but they actually never get into ketosis. So testing 
and no guessing. Wait till you hear about his take on snacking. And there's another form of snacking that you may not have heard about called exercise snacking. And that's really kind of the only snacking that we recommend and certainly very key. We've also hit on some key supplements to to help us and key practices to, to change our life and, and change our energy throughout the day. So I'm excited to bring this pot, this show to you today, the Girlfriend Doctor Show. And um, let's, let me introduce you to my dear friend, Sean Wells. Well, welcome Sean to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It is so good to finally have you on. <laughs> I am actually thinking about changing my name to the boyfriend biochemist or the boyfriend dietitian. So I think we could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Well, um, you know, I, as I've shared with my audience, just you are an expert in the field of energy metabolism, and you have your own amazing story to share. And I'm excited. I'm excited for all your work. I'm excited for your book, The Energy Formula. I'm excited to be in the future, speaking on stages with you. I think we're in November, speaking on stage in Dallas together and maybe do a little yeah. Texas tour. Excited, to, we'll let our audience know there'll be information in the show, not, show notes for some details on that. But, um, you know, well done with this book. I want to talk about what prompted you, you know, a, a, a book like this, like my book, The Hormone Fix, and these are, these are labors of love. These are intensive. These are, you know, I mean, it's just, um, it's, a, it's a true labor of love. We don't do this just to um, publish a book and especially one with as much detail, science and, and soul work that's been done to get this done. So share with us why, your why. Oh man, it, it's, it is, you're right. It's so much work. Uh, like the amount of work that goes into it, I had no idea when someone's like, Oh, I'm going to write a book. And, you know, and I have some friends that just take six months and, you know, sit by a beach and write out this, you know, book. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm cool. gonna, I'm gonna crank through this thing and it's no big deal. And it, was a year and a half of my life and it was probably about 30 to 40 hours a week on top of my 60 plus hours a week and to add that was was brutal it was brutal um it is a complete labor of love um there is so much work that goes into promotion for it but even prior to that just all the like the scientific pieces, getting those right, looking through all the studies, um, trying to get uh, flow story. Like, you know, I got this this whole idea about having like these six hallmarks, and then it being like um, you know these different uh, pillars of of what I think you know leads to a more energetic life, and then it kind of stumbled into like it being an acronym for energy experiment nutrition exercise routines growth in your tribe whoa whoa whoa! say that again energy yeah so energy is an acronym for experiment um like having that bio individuality and, and doing the testing and getting the metrics uh nutrition like um uh like with um mediterranean diet keto vegan carnivore um, all that kind of stuff. And then getting into exercise with high intensity interval training, 
blood flow restriction, intraset stretching, exercise snacks throughout the day, all this new data. Then there's routines, which gets into circadian rhythm, uh, growth, which is like a stoic mindset. I also get into nootropics. And then the last chapter is your tribe and that having that community and connection and the tribe of mentors around you. So there's a lot that's covered. And uh, I, I fell into this whole, um, these, these pillars, if you will. And so that took some time. All of it took a lot of time. And, and my why for it, I really, like the last 20 years, I've been amassing all this information of working clinically, working on supplements, helping people with my Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, what it looked like was lots and lots of conferences, documentaries, television programs, radio programs, all these things. And I just wanted to like put it all in one place. So it's like, if someone has a question, here's a place to start. And then I can answer further from there. But this is like my, my best of brain dump of like all the things I know to do to make you healthier and more energetic. But also like there's some of my story woven in there and you can see how I've really turned my life around in terms of just living life on the edge and being morbidly obese, being depressed, being uh, suicidal, being anorexic, being orthorexic, having autoimmune conditions and being in bed for six months in pain and inflamed, having two discs replaced in my neck. And again, considering suicide because I was in so much pain, having a brain tumor, uh, being a workaholic, you know, all of these things like I, I get into in the book and and how I dug myself out of those. Let's start like in our audience, what are you seeing like as the number one concern, especially in this time um, in the, the COVID pandemic? I mean, your book couldn't have come at a better time, honestly, to help. And we're so like-minded in this, you know, and the, the issues that affect our hormones, cellular function, right? And, and you're a um, paramount biohacker, right? And so I want to talk about exactly, first, let's talk, what does biohacking mean? And, um, and, and what are you like, what are you seeing that are essential is that have been, that's been a shift in our society today that, you know, we have to be so proactive about fixing or correcting course correcting. I mean, first off, biohacking is hacking your biology. There are shortcuts to uh, improve your vitality, improve your function. Um, so those are things like, you know, bulletproof coffee and, you know, doing things like taking orthomolecular doses of supplements, sun gazing, cold plunges, red light saunas, wearing blue light blocking glasses, things like that, uh, are all things that I get into in this book. Yeah. <laughs> taking your supplement for sure. Um, those are all things that I cover in the book, but there's another important aspect that I talk about in this book that there's the idea like biohacking is the mashup term of hacking your biology. There's also hacktivism, which is being uh, an activist that uses hacking for social good, like thinking of like Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, these guys. And I love the idea of like, biohacking, not just for yourself and your own performance, but biohacking for the greater good. The more I'm energized, the more I'm heads up, 
the more I can connect with the world around me, the more I can have an impact on the world around me. So I talk in my book about this idea of biohacktivism, and it's resonated a lot in the biohacking community um, as a term I found. So I think that's that's fun. I love biohacking. So I've been a biohacker as a scientist way back. I don't know if you know this about me, Sean, but before I went to medical school, I worked for the US Navy in diving in the diving medicine department in exercise and respiratory physiology, working with deep sea divers, rebreathing units. I mean, I was doing mass spec and, and studying performance at different levels, as well as recovery and, and bends tables for the deep sea divers. And, you know, what, you know, like, where, where are those limits? What can we push? What makes it better? What are, what are other things that are affected, you know, by this high stress, high intense living, including sperm count and fertility. So of course, working with diving medicine, it was worked completely with all men at that time. And so it was just a, a, the perfect balance to, to bring that into women's health. Like how do we increase our performance? How do we perform better under stress? And, you know, with, with my journey and, you know, going through early menopause and infertility at 39, being well over 240 pounds at one point and, and struggling with the, you know, depression, I will say stressed, depressed, and my hormones were a mess. I mean, I know what it likes to want to, to feel like. I know what it feels like to want to die, right? I know what that feels like. So when you say that, like my, you know, I, my heart goes out to you and to anyone who is, is listening and is struggling with depression, feelings of isolation, you know, suicide ideologies, or in our own families and people we love and we care about, friends we know, and we can see the isolation, the retraction. And this, in this time, this pandemic stress, right, this high levels of cortisol is creating that, um, you know, that, I mean, a cellular breakdown at, at a certain level. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about a little bit about you know, how that's affecting our mitochondria, our cell function, our metabolism, our energy. Why is it such an energy suck? Why are we feeling this black hole? What, you know? Um... Yeah, there, there's numerous reasons. It's, it's something of a, of a circular discussion because um, the less mitochondrial function that you have, the less energy you have. And because you have inflammation, pain, fatigue, uh, you're going to have more mitochondrial dysfunction, and then that'll play into even greater mitochondrial dysfunction because the mitochondria don't have enough fuel, and then you're in a state of insufficient cellular energy, and then you're in a, a state where you're kicking off more inflammation, glycation, oxidation, uh, because there isn't enough fuel. It's like literally trying to like, you know, put uh, regular gas in the you know ferrari and then trying to like push the engine as hard as you possibly can there's going to be repercussions and those repercussions are that inflammation glycation oxidation there's breakdown there's damage that's happening and then the few mitochondria that are working are getting overwhelmed and they can't keep up and it's just this downward spiral uh that continues to happen and so it's 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 definitely physiological. I mean, there's a psychological component at play, and you know, you are the placebo. You can have a dramatic impact on your 
on your physiology with your mindset. And that's something that I get into in the book. Like when you believe that, um, you know, the universe is working for you, when you believe that the obstacle is the way and you have that stoic, resilient mindset that can shift everything because you'll start seeing the good. Typically, you know, healthy, successful people are expert reframers. But here's what we're doing. We're not even reframing positively, typically. We're reframing negatively. We're saying we're taking a situation and we're turning it into the negative. We're saying like, oh, figures. Of course, this happens to me. Doesn't this always happen? Oh, this is always my luck. You know, the always and the nevers and the usuallys. And this is the way I guess it goes and all that kind of stuff. That's negative reframing instead of the positive reframing of, oh, well, this is an opportunity. This is a unique challenge. You know, this is a chance for me to forge ahead when everyone else doesn't see it, when they don't have the proper mindset, when they don't have the, the, the vision that I have. And so like, that's where like the power of positive thinking can be so powerful to shift your health. But I mean, it's definitely correlated heavily to mitochondrial health. That's why I put a lot, a lot of research there, a lot of supplements there, a lot of uh, diet discussion around mitochondrial health and how to resolve that. Yeah, no, I think that we talked about placebo versus nocebo, right? The placebo versus the nocebo effects of placebo. You think that you're going to have a positive result. You're in the you're in the positive arm of the study. You think, okay, I'm, you know, I'm. I feel different. I'm feeling better. And you actually didn't receive the experimental drug. So that's like when we're talking about placebo effect and nocebo effect is, is that, you know, you like exactly that negative, the negative uh, pathway, you don't believe anything good's going to happen to you. You're spiraling down. And, and the same thing, the positive and negative is energy. And, um, you know, it's getting down to these, these energetic positive charge versus negative charge, positivity versus negativity. There's a charge with our thoughts. I mean, it's not soft science, right? There is a charge with our thoughts and how like this is, you know, on a physiologic level affects the, the smallest particles and the powerhouse of our cell, the energy powerhouse of our cell, the mitochondria. And so let's like, I, one of the things that drew me to your work, Sean, was this getting to the, the smallest, you know, uh, places we can make a change that will make the biggest difference and, you know, improved outcomes. And I think that's, you know, it's one of the things I really like about too, you know, the, the supplements that you've worked on and you mentioned and, you know, the creative aspects of finding the, you know, finding the, the smallest steps we can take that are going to make the biggest change in life and, and how, how worth it it is. So let's dive in, let's dive into the mitochondria because energy is a really big issue. Energy is a big issue for all of us. We don't have the energy to um, go exercise. We don't have the energy to, you know, reach our kids at night. We don't have the energy to, to date or whatever it is, you know? So, so I think that's a really big issue. One of my clients, Tracy, who's been in my magic menopause program for years, she said, you know, she, she's lived on a farm, she has horses, and she hadn't been out there in a couple of years. She did my program. And before you knew it, she was out there every day after work with the horses walking the farmland. And she would recognize the day she didn't feel like going out, she'd been 
off course, right? She didn't, she didn't maybe drink her, her protein or keto green protein shake, or she didn't, you know, um, do her gratitude journaling in the morning, or she got caught in toxic thoughts. And that just pulled her, you know, whatever it was that pulled her down. So it was like a reboot, a reminder that, okay, keep doing the practices and principles that give us the energy to do the things that we really love and enjoy, which then gives us more energy. Yeah. So supplements, uh, is that what you're interested in? Like when it comes to mitochondrial health and diet and some of these other aspects that you can do to enhance the mitochondrial function? Well, I definitely think I want to talk about exercise snacking. I definitely want to hit on that topic because I think that's so good, so important, so new, right? It's like, that's, I want to know, like, like give us a few biohacks that we can start doing right now to improve our energy or mitochondrial function. That's going to have a bigger impact on our overall health. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with energy snack. I mean, yeah. Exercise snacking because yeah. it's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can hit keto and then we can hit supplements. Okay. Um, exercise snacks is a unique term that's out in research right now. It's an idea that we don't go exercise for one hour a day at the gym. I mean, that's already great. If you're doing that, that's much better than nothing, obviously, but there's data that shows that 23 hours of being sedentary and one hour of being active, you know, is not, <clears throat> is not going to have as much impact on your longevity as when you do five minutes an hour of movement, like especially like ancestral movement or, you know, planking and crawling and, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and things like that, doing five minutes of that an hour throughout the day has been shown to be way more impactful than having this concentrated period of time. Not because the concentrated part is bad, but it's how sedentary we are during the other 23 hours. We're in our car, we're laying on our couch, we're laying in our bed, we're sitting at our desk. You know, it's, it's too sedentary. Our body isn't getting a chance to move lymph around, to, uh, you know, circulate blood, like to really all of these tissues are dynamic. When you look at um, fascia, bone, uh, connective tissue, muscle, uh, the nerves, like everything is their dynamic tissues that are in a constant state of remolding. And if we are in a consistent state of sitting or laying, our body is going to make that an efficient state of using less energy. And over time, you know, like your, uh, your abdominal muscles, your, your groin muscles, like your, your uh, iliacus and psoas, et cetera, these are gonna shorten. They're gonna put you in that seated position. And your whole body's making changes after years of sitting and they're not good. So it's very good to like take that five minutes. And there's also data on just taking uh, eye breaks, you know, off your screen and taking breathing breaks. And, you know, just taking breaks from your work. So all of this can flow together where you're taking five to 10 minutes an hour to, you know, go to the bathroom, to take a break from screens, to do some deep breathing, to refocus yourself, to do five minutes of planking, and then getting back to whatever the work is you have to do. So exercise snacks is very fascinating when it comes to longevity. It's, it shows the importance of us just 
moving our bodies, keeping our body in motion. I love the term. And, you know, in our girlfriend doctor club, we created a bunch of three to three to seven minute videos that are like, okay, do this three times a day, just whenever, just, just do it three times a day, whether it's squats, you know, like there's a, a week where we're just saying, okay, for this next seven days, I want three times a day, just do squats. I mean, just to just start that habit, right. Or doing plank or doing, you know, leg lifts or whatever it may be, even if you're sitting in the chair to do a leg lift. I mean, you know, we, we just start where you're at. I was to encourage women, you know, and, and men to start where you're at and gradually increase. I have a, a friend the other day and he's like, yeah, I do a hundred pushups every day. I'm like every day. I mean, is that not good? He's like, look at my arms. I do a hundred pushups every day. It looks pretty good. I'm like, you're right. It looks pretty good. I'm like, okay. You know I mean? So what's working for you? What's not working for you? And, um, but I, I like the idea of, of just that. I mean, seriously, the calisthenics, right? They've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, getting into the ketogenic diet, which I've been talking on for about twenty years and doing for twenty years now, um, how that works with mitochondrial health, several ways. But one of the most important ways is going back to that idea of insufficient cellular energy states. About eighty-eight percent of the population is in a state of metabolic dysfunction. Um, meaning that we're heading towards insulin resistance or already in it, and then all of those other issues. And what happens with insulin resistance is we're not able to use this fuel, our primary fuel source of glucose as well. And in the body in general, this is known as insufficient cellular energy states, ice, but in the brain and neurological conditions, it gets called a uh, brain energy gap. It's the same idea. Uh, where you're, <clears throat> you have a shortfall of energy. And so a way that you can overcome that has to do with the secondary complex of the electron transport chain and <laughs> creating uh, energy through all that kind of stuff that maybe you studied uh, back in high school uh, with the Krebs cycle and all that kind of fun stuff. But where you can create that alternate fuel source, how you can bridge that gap I mean, yes, uh, you know, get in shape, get moving. Yes, improve your insulin resistance. Yes, you know, do those kinds of things. But the, the fastest way to solve this is to have an alternate fuel source, which is ketones. And that's why we see, um, you know, it's like turning the lights back on for some people. It uh, lowers inflammation and glycation and oxidation, all of which I, I talked about before when there's mitochondrial dysfunction. So getting in that state where you can provide that alternate fuel source, where you can bridge that gap, provide the brain the energy it needs, provide the body uh, the sufficient cellular energy that it needs, then the body can function optimally. Then you're not heading towards disease state when we look at insulin resistance it's the it's the hallmark of basically all biological aging and and disease i mean about one percent of disease is genetic about 99 percent of disease is metabolic and so disease is metabolic and it's largely driven by this idea of being insulin resistant and then you might say well the whole rest of the world doesn't need to eat keto Okay, my explanation for that is they tend to eat less than their maintenance of calories. They move their bodies throughout the day. They have 
they don't have um, ultra processed foods that are high glycemic. They have uh, whole foods that are low glycemic that are often high in fiber, uh, high in resistant starches. Um, certain times of the year, a lot of these cultures eat pretty much ketogenic, uh, like maybe having more meats and cheeses and things like that. But even these more like vegan carb-based cultures, their carbs are so different than ours. It's not comparable at all. At all. When you look at like these high fiber, high resistant starch, um, you know, carbohydrate, like if I was to give you a green banana, it's a resistant starch. It has basically no blood sugar impact. But if I was to give you our GMO hyper ripened bananas, like even that's in a sense, ultra processed to me, even though we're calling it whole food. Mm-hmm. Well, can I just made me you just made me think of fried plantains. <laughs> like it's so good fried green plantains. Oh my gosh, that is that it's a superfood for sure. Um, and it, you're absolutely right. And one of the things you know, the whole Mediterranean diet, right in the red wine culture, like, oh, they drink red wine, this resveratrol must be the missing link. And I'm like, okay, there's all good things about resveratrol. But isn't it the table of friends and family you're sitting with and laughing with that make the biggest difference. That's oxytocin, the most powerful hormone in our body, the most anti-aging and alkalinizing hormone in our body. So that's, that will overpower that, you know, pasta side, but it's also like, you know, um, you know, poco, poco, right? A little bit, a little bit. It's not um, binge eating. It's not like the huge portions that, that we serve in, in the US. So portion size, like you said, I, I couldn't agree more when we look at that. And even too, um, just the, the, the mobility and even within our cities, right? Even within our country, the more mobile populations, the populations, the cities with walking um, trails and, and more of a walking culture, they're, they're thinner. You know, they're thinner versus if you have to drive everywhere to get someplace and, and it, or d- don't have the safe, safe walking ability that so many other, you know, that, that we need, then you're becoming more sedentary and, and more isolated. And certainly we've seen that over the, the past year with COVID, we've seen 15, 20 pound on average weight gains, just that shift from not moving as much in, and um, and that's a, that's a huge metabolic strain. One of the things with keto, you know, my platform being keto green, this whole concept, when I shifted to ketogenic diet, the, um, and you know, the, the piece where I've added my alkalinizers, the micronutrients, the, we say that, you know, for men and women, we have to do this differently, but women, especially the microgreens, the alkalinizers, but the lifestyle factors, that's a, the, the thoughts we keep all of these lifestyle pieces are part of the keto green diet or part of that plant. And, but what I experienced was like my brain just turning back on, you know, that fire, that light, you know, it just lit up. I always call it energized enlightenment because the combination um, is just so powerful. The keto green or keto alkaline combination, getting into ketosis is just so powerful for, for healthy brain function. What do you think people are doing wrong when they say they're doing keto, but they're not getting results or they're struggling or they hit that plateau? So there's several things there. I mean, one, um, they're probably not eating enough fat and get away from the idea of you are what you eat that we were told to you burn what you eat. This shift 
will help you to uh, you know change that paradigm pretty dramatically. If you start thinking like whatever I'm like largely eating in my diet, my body will optimize as a fuel source. And so just having fat as the number one macronutrient in your diet, your body will optimize becoming a fat burning machine instead of having the fear that when you eat more fat, you become more fat. It's really important to shift on that. So what I find typically is most people are trying to eat clean, like this bodybuilder diet where they're uh, eating low carb, but also eating low fat, which just leaves them with only protein. And they're not really getting into ketosis. They're getting effective at gluconeogenesis. And it kind of puts them in this like constant hangry state where they're not really optimized for either ketones or glucose. Um, and it just seems like a mess. But I think that's the number one thing that I see. The other one that I see is people buy a lot of ultra processed foods. Now you can buy all the keto snacks and treats and like do all the desserts and like, that's all cool. Like I get the idea, like you're trying to be keto, but like still trying to live like a Western life. But all of that stuff is like net carb calculations. And there may be truth to it. There may not be from that company side. And there's a lot of bio-individuality on your side. Some of these short chain fibers like uh, IMO, isomaltooligosaccharide, is 70% maltodextrin. And so even though it's listed as a fiber, it may have more of like a, basically a sugar type impact. And, you know, the same with some of these sugar alcohols, like maltitol, um, you know, some of these ones have like much greater glycemic impact than other sugar alcohols. It's all very like bio-individual. And unless you're wearing like a continual glucose monitor, you don't know what you don't know. And I would take the time. I like the idea of like 60 to 90 days of getting like fully keto adapted, knowing what your body uh, can respond to and knowing what ketosis feels like before you really start playing around with net carbs and all that kind of stuff. So those are the two biggest ways I see people undermine themselves with the ketogenic diet. And they say they're doing keto, but they're never in ketosis. Another thing that I will throw out that can throw people off is once they've gotten into ketosis and been a ketogenic dieter for a long time, and they're checking their ketones, sometimes they get frustrated that their ketone levels aren't high enough. This can actually be, one can be a sign that you're not doing things correctly. But I would say, if you know what the ketogenic diet has felt like because you did it correctly for 60 to 90 days, I would ask you how your energy is, and that's the best sign. And if your energy is great, but your ketones are low, this is a sign that you're now ketogenically adapted and you're using those ketones instead of them circulating at a high level. Your body's becoming efficient at pulling them into the tissues and using them as a fuel instead of them just sitting there. Essentially, like I was talking about insulin resistance and, and glucose intolerance, early on, you're ketone resistant, you're ketone intolerant. And so over time, you become more efficient. And just like with blood sugar, your blood sugar can lower as you get more efficient. 
And it's the same idea with ketones. So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I remember lecturing um, at KetoCon, uh, Keto Conference not too long, you know, a couple of years ago now. But um, I asked the audience, how many of you are doing keto? Of course, like 90, 90 something percent of the audience raised their hands. And then how many of you are testing your ketones, either urine, blood, you know, however, um, breath and, and less than 10% of the room raised their hand. I'm like, okay, if you're not testing, you're guessing. And that's, it is so individual with um, my second book, Keto Green 16, I wore a continuous glucose monitor for almost a year on, you know, on and off, but almost a year trying out the recipe, seeing what pushes me like coffee, pushed up my glucose, speaking on stage, pushes up my glucose, a good high intensity interval training workout, man, I'll get up to 200 on my glucose, right? So I, at fasting, those are at fasting. And so I found that to be so eye-opening to me to see how my body was reacting to, to certain stimuli, right? Even zero calorie stimuli. Yeah. And that, that's another point too, is like, that's important to look at is glucose level going up is one thing, but it's, it's okay. Like if you are um, insulin tolerant, glucose tolerant, um, if you're insulin sensitive, that your, your glucose can spike, it's a question of how quickly does it come back down? Yes. And that's something to be mindful of too. It's not just that numbers are going up. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's right. how long does it take to come back down? I just want people to be mindful of that. Like, yeah, there's a way that you can figure out that your glucose could never go up, but then essentially you become like highly keto adapted and insulin resistant. You're metabolically inflexible that way. So just, it's okay. Like when you have protein, it's okay when you have carbohydrate or whatever, that there is some kind of, or like, you know, coffee when you're in a fasted state or whatever, that it goes up, but it's a question of how quickly does it come back down? Yeah, that's a great point. That is absolutely a great point. And two, the more insulin sensitive we become, the faster that rebound is. And I think it's essential to have like feast days, to have carb up time. We've got to keep up this metabolic flexibility. And like with anything, we can become very rigid and rule oriented and inflexible. So we don't want that. And the other biggest thing that I wanted to mention is like the only snacks we do are exercise snacks, no snacks. Like I'm a big on no snacks. It destroys women's metabolisms and men. And today still, and you know, Sean, our audience, Sean and I are both in Dallas. He's up in Frisco. I'm down in Knox Henderson. And I I had uh, lunch with uh, a friend who is under the care of, a, you know, one of the major institutions, plus a trainer, plus, you know, phys, you know, you know, the works, right? And I was like, oh, cool. What did your, you know, nutrition plan? He's like, yeah, I've got, you know, my blood sugar's a bit high, my hemoglobin A1C is high, and, I'm, you know, the, the nutritionist put me on this, you know, diet plan. I was like, oh, tell me about it. And it's like, yeah, three meals, three snacks. And I just like spit out my coffee. I was like, are people still saying this? Do we, as the science is without question, how is this, that type of diet being given to a 55 year old man, let alone don't give that to a woman. But I've read online, you know, I, I forget one of the main uh, popular journals said the way to eat in menopause. I was so excited because I was like, it's got to be keto green, Mediterranean. I mean, give me something, right? Three meals, three snacks. I'm like, are you insane? Like that is never good. Okay. It's, it's the out, it's me passionate. Yeah. It's the outdated idea of balancing your blood sugar by snacking throughout the day of like the six to eight small meals. And 
and that data is just just terrible it just doesn't show to be yeah. true um but i agree completely like even ahead of like i love the idea of intermittent fasting and of doing you know a ketogenic diet and cyclical and targeted and metabolic flexibility and doing paleo and all these things that i do and sometimes i even occasionally do carnivore and nose to tail and like it sounds complex but i will tell you the number one place to start is dump ultra processed food mm -hmm. move your body stop snacking and stop thinking that you need dessert at every meal if you can do like those things, that's the place to start before you even get into all the other things that are a little bit more complex. Like just if you can just start moving your body, stop snacking as much, get back to whole food. Um, you know, those are those are going to be like foundational places to to start. And then what what's nice about that is if you can wean yourself off of sugar, of desserts, of snacking, of ultra processed food then you're not going to bring those habits into the ketogenic diet where people buy all these keto treats and snacks and look up all the dessert recipes and whatever. I'm not saying that stuff isn't okay from time to time, but like when it's like some people I know that do the ketogenic diet, it's like, that's like the only thing they want to build their diet around is like, oh, I, I can do this diet, but just have desserts all the time, just have treats all the time. And it's like, that's not, that's not the approach. And, and you are not going to end up losing weight. You're going to end up gaining weight because this is a, a high fat, high calorie diet potentially. And if you're overriding satiety, you could end up gaining weight uh, when you're doing all these treats and snacks and, you know, ultra processed foods that are quote unquote keto. Exactly. And I think that's where, you know, just the same with all gluten free, right? The gluten free snacks. No, with the word has snacks in it other than exercise snacks, y'all. Can we just agree that we're not doing that anymore? Um, in your chapter on growth, one of the things that I love you talking about are the ingredients for growth and no tropics. Um, and so can you touch on that a little bit for us? What are no tropics? yeah 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 so that word means like brain or mind like uh and it means uh trope means to grow and and new n-o-o -O means like brain or mind and so it's like growing your mind like enhancing your mind this is the idea of like the bradley cooper limitless nzt drug or whatever it was and in, in um in that movie of like becoming something more than than you think you have the capacity to be and so nootropics are going to enhance brain function and i go through a number of those stacks in there one of the main ones and this is especially going back to 88 percent of the population this is almost nine out of ten people in the united states are metabolically dysfunctional so for, that's why like keto is going to be so effective for most people because it's going to be turning the lights back on so that's where having like C8 MCTs, exogenous ketones, um, berberine or dihydroberberine, these things that are going to enhance ketone levels are going to keep turning those lights on brighter and brighter, if you will. Like you've been so used to trying to compensate with sugar and caffeine and uh, dopaminergic stuff like 
internet porn, turning like up the rock or rap music as loud as you can go, trying to like weave in and out of traffic, trying to stimulate yourself with all these things because you're tired, you're exhausted, because you don't have fuel for your brain. And your neurons actually fire slower in these states. And so giving them the fuel that they need, giving them these ketones, and then in time, healing your metabolism and, and allowing it to properly use glucose uh, is going to enhance uh, your energetic states and, and allowing for greater brain function. And we all want that. A really big thing that I didn't know, right? As a specialist in OBGYN, no one knew that um, until recently looking at MRIs in women and looking at glucose metabolism in the brain. Glucose metabolism in the brain is a hormone dependent, is estrogen, most likely progesterone dependent. But we see this deep dive of, of glucose gluconeogenesis in the brain, we see this deep dive with perimenopause, 35, 45, it's a deep dive with increase in neuroendocrine symptoms, all the GYN symptoms that will bring you to your GYN office. You don't know this, Sean, but like PMS, breakthrough bleeding, irregular cycles, heavy menstrual bleeding, all in line with anxiety, depression, mood swings, PMS, you know, I will say, if you only hate your husband two weeks out of the month, it's your, it's your hormones, not necessarily your husband. And, but insomnia, low sex drive, all these neurologic symptoms you know, compounded with the endocrine symptoms. We're in this period of neuroendocrine vulnerability when the brain utilization of glucose is sacrificed, is struggling. And so when our estrogen progesterone levels are going down, our symptoms are going up and our brain is starving for fuel. It's not just a good idea to get into ketosis, especially for women in perimenopause, through the rest of our life, it's mandatory, in my opinion. It is mandatory. Yeah, when the when the mitochondria can't get the, this fuel and can't get ATP made, the, the energy currency for the body, adenosine triphosphate, then everything starts shutting down. Literally, you can look at all disease, again, except for maybe 1% or just some inborn genetic disease. All disease is tied to this. And biological aging over chronological aging is tied to this, is metabolic dysfunction and ultimately mitochondrial dysfunction. And so, yeah, if you're not giving it the fuel source that it needs, then your, your whole system comes crashing down. It's like uh, glycation is blood sugar damage, right? So when that blood sugar is sitting around too long, it's causing damage and it leads to advanced glycation end products, ages literally appropriately named. And when you're on the ketogenic diet, like you use, um, it's less um, uh, oxygen intensive and therefore there's less oxidation. And so oxidation can cause free radical damage. And then with uh, inflammation, I mean, this is why people like have so much um fatigue brain fog like that's that's neural brain fog is essentially neurological inflammation and so like this is all getting into that that we're just we're functioning suboptimally we don't have the energy to get it done and that we're overworking the the guys that can work and then in time more and more stop being able to work because they're just overwhelmed they're they're calling strike you know they have their signs that like I can't work anymore. We're overworked and you're not helping them out. And you're like, just saying, 
well, just work harder. Here's caffeine, here's more sugar. You know, here's these, you know, dopamine drivers, like just do more. And, and they're overwhelmed and they can't. And so your body starts to break down and you get into disease states. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And um, let's talk about some of the supplements like MCT oil and you mentioned berberine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So MCTs, medium chain triglycerides, these are uh, medium chain fatty acids, meaning like the carbon length. So there's short chain ones that typically occur in the gut. Uh, butyrate's of a huge interest right now in gut health. Uh, medium chain um, are things that we're finding to be highly ketogenic, um, especially like the C8, the caprylic acid. So if you could get a C8 MCT, it's more ketogenic than a mixed MCT oil and certainly more ketogenic than a coconut oil. Oh, they're all great. So I would look at C8 MCTs as the best ketogenic fatty acid. Um, and then berberine, dihydroberberine. So berberine is essentially the herbal version of metformin. And that's been shown head to head. They have very similar mechanisms of action as glucose disposal agents of uh, a mechanism of action called AMP kinase, AMPK. And it's been shown, metformin's been shown to be potently anti-aging. Right now, there's a study with 10,000 people going on looking at anti-aging. Yes, it's, it's effective for type 2 diabetics as a glucose disposal agent, but more so we're looking at the anti-aging effects, even with people without diabetes or even people that are, you know, somewhere in between. And, and in gynecology, just, we used it in clients with polycystic GOS, ovarian yeah. syndrome. Yep. Yeah. And trying to get pregnant and fertility for sure. Yeah. With vitamin D, I might add. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And so what's interesting is metformin, uh, there was a, a, a recall last year. It was tainted. Uh, it lowers B12. Uh, we've seen that. And it also causes uh, GI distress in about a third of the people. What's cool is uh, berberine is an herbal natural version, works the exact same way. And in a study head to head, it actually um, worked every bit as good and actually improved some other markers more so than, than metformin with inflammation, uh, with dyslipidemia, et cetera. This new form, dihydroberberine, uh, is about five times more bioavailable and is what berberine converts into in the gut. It doesn't have the bioindividuality issues that metformin or berberine have, doesn't have the, the negative GI impact. You can take about a fifth of the dose. So you take anywhere from 150, uh, anywhere from 100 to 150 milligrams a day um, to uh, once or twice a day, I should say. So like, let's say anywhere from 100 to 300 milligrams, whereas uh, berberine is 500 to 1500 milligrams. So berberine is much higher dosing, much lower bioavailability, more GI distress. Um, it also lasts about half as long in the plasma as dihydroberberine. So dihydroberberine really outdoes uh, berberine and metformin, I mean, flat out. So it's, it's really, it's the one thing that I recommend that everyone takes. Like it's the most potent anti-aging thing that I know of to take. 
And even if you're not even remotely diabetic and you're highly insulin sensitive, it's been shown that lowering your insulin levels, even, even what beyond what we think is just normal, still has a positive impact on markers of aging. So um, there's really no reason we shouldn't be taking it. That's fabulous. That's really good. I'm adding that to my supplement line right now. And um, yeah, no, that's, that's really fascinating information. I've been interested in berberine for a long time, too, just the antifungal effects mm -hmm. of berberine and appetite suppressant effects of berberine. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. But I know what something is really crazy is metformin originally was brought to the market as being anti-influenza and working on viruses. And again, there's, there's some metabolic health stuff going on there. And interestingly too, it's a mitohormetic. It does cause a little stress to the mitochondria, but it seems to be a positive stress at the doses we're talking about to actually get them stronger. And so there's a chance, I haven't studied this. This is me just conjecture, right? Okay, got it. Disclaimed. Um, that um, berberine, metformin, dihydroberberine, these may help um, with COVID, with virus uh, scenarios. You know, we'll still experience flu potentially. Like, so it could be helpful in these kinds of scenarios. Um, we just need more data on that. But that was originally its purpose. That's fascinating. I did not know that about metformin. And let me just tell you that anything we can do, like getting into ketosis, right? Anything we can do to get rid of sugar, to lower our sugar, to become more insulin sensitive is going to prepare us, you know, in exactly. a, a first wall of armor, first wall of armor. If, if being obese and type two diabetic is a comorbidity that puts us at high risk for these viruses, then why isn't this one of the major therapeutic pathways to treat these viruses? And it's baffling. Like it literally is listed as a comorbidity. So how do we improve our outcomes? Or at the very least, if you're, if you're not going to concede improve outcomes, say improve resistance to, then like, let's talk about that. Like, you know, I'm not going to get into politics of this, but there's a lot of things that get rec recommended so that we can lower our risk. But I'm not hearing a lot being said about improving our metabolic health. Well, I think it's uh, an important analysis would be, you know, if all of us who have been exposed, you know, and who have not gotten um, uh, sick or, you know, been, been um, infected, what's different? what's different between those who aren't and those who are. And I think, you know, we know the highest risk groups, but what about those that are exposed in, in hospitals and first liners and in community settings, et cetera, on a regular basis, but, you know, haven't, haven't been infected. So what, what about this population is preventative? I mean, it's a great question. I, <laughs> I, I think I know the answer, but- I know, we'll, I'm we'll like, I can that. tell you. <laughs> We'll, we'll just leave that for the, for the audience. Do what we say, read our books, follow our programs. I mean, that's it, right? It's like, you know, and I always say that, you know, th there's always something that resonates, right? Like I, I learned something from your book, you know, we like, this is, it's, it's 
so much good information that I want everyone to read it. I mean, it's also you're getting down to the science. I want to hit on a couple more supplements. CoQ10, one of my favorite, carnitine, because I also use these supplements in fertility. Like, you know, I would use these to increase, you know, it to support ovarian function, to support sperm function. So that's all, those are key mitochondrial powerhouses. So those are a couple of supplements that I love. I wanted to know what your thoughts are. So here's one that you might not think of that has a positive impact on reproductive health and is a buffer that you might think is some bodybuilding ingredient, but creatine is associated with reproductive health with both the ovaries and the testes. Um, so that's one to look at. and and you know, you, you mentioned like alkalizing and like just the idea of like uh, bicarbonate of, you know, some of these buffers uh, like, like creatine, um, you know, they're really interesting when it comes to, again, metabolic health. Um, Where do we get creatine naturally? Uh, it's in red meat. I mean, largely. Uh, it's really not, there's no real vegan sources for creatine other than, you know, buying the, the powder, uh, which is made synthetically. So you can buy the powder. Um, and let's see what else. So in terms of mitochondrial function, you mentioned CoQ10, which again, gets back to that electron transport chain. And, and, and there's another ingredient, PQQ, mm -hmm. um, that's yeah. kind of a sister molecule to CoQ10 and, and has some synergy with it. Um, I would look at, at both of those ingredients for enhancing metabolic function. Um, and then there's a really, really interesting one that is just getting some press now. And it's being considered for vitamin status, of which PQQ was once being considered for vitamin status. But ergothionine is a trace amino acid. And we don't make it. And you can find it in organ meat, in certain beans, and mushrooms. And what's really interesting is your body has a unique transporter and storage system for this amino acid. So your body is set up to use this. And what it does is actually protect the mitochondria directly. There's cellular antioxidants, but this is a mitochondrial antioxidant. And so it's really fascinating. It's, um, it seems like it's your, your first line defense to protect the mitochondria. So there's, there's some really interesting data coming out on this amino acid called ergothionine. Are cravings your downfall? This is truly typical of anyone trying to lose weight. Let me tell you, willpower is physiologic. Just like Francis discovered, the Keto Green Shake Mix is a tasty and nutritious way to replace a meal while helping you feel full longer and giving you the nourishment, vitamins, minerals, protein, fat that your body needs. So cut your cravings, boost your energy, and improve your overall fitness with the Keto Green Shake Mix. Find Keto Green Shake at dranna.com and use the code SHOW10 to get 10% off your first order risk-free. So give us a day in your life, Sean. I could keep you on. You know, I can talk to you forever and I hope to catch up with you. I was up your way not too long ago at the star in uh, the cowboy, um, cowboy club uh, up your way. So um, we have to get together. But yeah. uh, 
talk to us about what it does a day in your life look like. Well, I think the most important thing, like, you know, I wouldn't want to overwhelm someone with like all the things I'm doing, but like, here's, here's like the, like 10 minutes of morning routine. If you can give me that, I could radically transform your day. One, it starts with getting to bed on time the night before. We're the only species that's depriving ourselves of sleep so that we can watch extra Game of Thrones or the ball game or, you know, whatever it is you're doing or, you know, just saying, I need to get all these chores done. And you just kind of wander around the house and, and you just stay up and you expose yourself to blue light, uh, junk light this whole time when you're looking at your devices, your TVs, your TVs that are now twice the size of what they used to be with twice the brightness they used to have and you're watching them twice as long because you know not only do you have the tv you have your cell phone you have your tablets you have your laptops and your computers and then even crazier is like vr goggles now like where you're literally just putting the light right in your eyes so that's a lot of exposure of light the light frequency is supposed to change throughout the day and allow for melatonin to be released and that's not happening so be mindful of junk light be mindful of proper sleep hygiene and getting to bed on time and is there a specific time that's better to get to bed you know I think, I think ideally, like, it's not a time as much as it is like following the light, like being your, your circadian rhythm is your sleep wake cycle, and it's driven by day night. And so I would stay up later in the summer. And I would be more active and I would have a larger eating window in the summer, like per Sachin Panda's data. Um, and I would have like a shorter eating window and I would, and I would get to bed earlier in the winter. Um, but that's just, you know, I think that's, that's just following nature. If I was, to, if we were just circadian reset, right? Just circadian yeah. If we reset. were just outside, what would we be doing? Like if we didn't have our artificial boxes and our artificial floors and our artificial light and our artificial lives on the wall on the screen, and we weren't eating artificial food and breathing artificial air, what would we be doing outside? Think about that. You would just Cooking be going, outside, walking outside. Going, yeah, you'd be going to bed earlier though, like mm -hmm. in the winter, because there's just less light. And so that's what you do. And that's what your body's meant to do. And so I would just change that throughout the year is, you know, kind of follow the amount of light. But if I wake up, to me, 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 me. And then I got to like my cortisol and epinephrine going. <laughs> and I stayed up uh, way too late because I was watching Game of Thrones or the ball game. And, uh, and, and now I'm exhausted. I had that brain energy gap I was talking about. My neurons are actually firing slower. There's neural inflammation like I was talking about. And I need something. My brain needs fuel. I'm a, uh, where, what can I get? I need sugar. I need caffeine immediately. Okay, now I can get going a little bit. And I'm trying to wipe the sleep out of my eyes. I'm stressed because I only got about five hours of sleep. And by the way, it's been shown that you're acutely insulin resistant when you don't get enough sleep. Right. What's going to happen if you chronically don't get enough sleep, you're going to be chronically insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. And then you're two to three times more likely to have a heart attack. You're five times more likely to have diabetes. 
you're obviously going to live a shorter life. And so just now you're, you're struggling to get out the door, you're agitated, you're tired, you know, you feel like traffic sucks, everyone's cutting you off, you're reframing in that negative sense. Now you finally get to work and like you go straight into your emails, you're distracted, you're looking at your phone, you got all your emails, people are coming in and out, you're looking at your social media, you're getting no quality work done and you're just holding on for like, you know, 10 o'clock, like, uh, okay, now I'm like going to get like another donut or, you know, an energy drink. And then maybe I can make it. I hope I can make it to lunch. I'm going to get pizza and a soda because I'm just struggling today. Look, I don't care. It's called decision fatigue. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing tomorrow. I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. I'm going to eat better tomorrow. I just need to hang on today. And then you're struggling through your day some more, not getting a whole lot done. You're super distracted, which is a constant state of distraction is using up more brain energy, right? Because you're task switching, you're never focused. You're using tons of energy in your brain. It's one of the worst things you can do. And then you go back to that vending machine, you get a Snickers bar and a Coke, and you hang on for the end of the day, you're back in traffic, you're weaving in and out of traffic and people are cutting you off. Oh man, this sucks. I finally get home, you know, I flop down on the couch, I have a beer, what a what a day i'm exhausted now i'm watching the news which is draining me even further because anyone that doesn't watch the news is uninformed but anyone that does watch the news is misinformed <laughs> so now i'm pissed off at the news and then i'm going to be pissed off at whatever i'm watching on tv because it's meant to be clickbait it's meant to pull you in it's meant to trigger you and I'm watching all this blue light and I'm exhausted and I'm drinking and I'm like, I'm finally going to go to sleep way too late. And this is my day. Or, or, or give me 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay. Let's set the clock 10 minutes earlier. And now the lights come on slowly. You can buy these lamps where the light gets slowly brighter in the room. You can get an app or a device where the chimes get slowly louder and closer together and you ease into waking up. And now I do some box breathing where like, let's say four to eight seconds. So this is like six seconds in, six seconds hold, six seconds out, six seconds hold. That's a box. And I might do that four times. Now I'm in my body. I'm breathing, there's blood flowing, I'm relaxed, and now I'm going to start doing some gratitude. What are all the things I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that I woke up, I'm thankful that I'm breathing, I'm thankful that my dog is licking my face, I'm thankful that I'm here, that I have a job, that I have a car that works, that I have a house, that I have people that care about me, and this is positive reframing. Increasing now, oxytocin. Yeah, and now I'm going to do some future casting with like some, um, you know, affirmations. And I'm going to talk about all the amazing things that I believe are going to happen to me. Today, I'm going to make an incredible impact. Today, I'm healthier than I was yesterday. Today, I'm going to change someone's life. Today, I'm going to meet someone new, you know, those kinds of things. Then... I get out of bed, I do some light stretching for a couple minutes, get in my body, move my muscles around. And then I go get a glass, a full glass of water before I reach for coffee or monster or anything like that. 
You're gonna get a full glass of water and hydrate. And now that's 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes. And then let's say I go to work now and I'm not so worried about traffic. I'm listening to a podcast, maybe like this one, and I'm educating myself and I'm feeling good, I'm feeling happy and I, I'm in my body, I have gratitude, I get to work, I'm not distracted, I'm going to do the Cal Newport deep work, where I turn off all distractions, all notifications, all connection to anything else, and from 8 to 10 a.m., I'm going to do deep work, I'm going to knock out one task, because in those two hours, I can do more than a distracted person does in eight, so I'm going to knock out a huge task, I'm going to feel super accomplished, Maybe I'm doing intermittent fasting. So now at 10 a.m., I have something to eat, something that's healthy, something that I chose, something with intent behind it. And then at noon, when everyone else is going out for lunch and eating garbage, maybe I'll go take a walk. And then I come back, I get, I get some more work done. I'm looking forward to actually getting uh, back home, taking my dog for a walk, maybe meeting some friends out at a restaurant, having a nice night out maybe reading a book, doing some exercise and getting to sleep on time. I love it. I would say change your, to change your life, you have to change your morning. To break the habits that have caused you to go down a path, you can't start out the same day, the same way, you know, in the day. So I think that's, that's so powerful. I love the scenario you painted for us, Sean. I mean, this is awesome. All right, to my audience, you guys, Sean Wells, author of The Energy Formula and um, Six Life-Changing Ingredients to Unleash Your Limitless Potential. So as energy is a, an acronym for what we talked about earlier at the start of this podcast, Sean, tell our audience, you've got a great Instagram channel. You've got a great website. Tell our audience where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so at Sean Wells, S-H-A-W-N on Instagram, I have a lot of infographics and uh, great information for you. Everything I have on all my channels is, is free for you. And uh, SeanWells.com, S-H-A-W-N. Um, I have a weekly newsletter with all the latest science and ingredients. And again, there's, there's nothing to sell. The only thing I sell is my book, which I love if you buy it but um uh if not i have tons of great information everywhere else and then energyformula.com uh you can get the book i have the audible which i read there's the ebook nice. and the hardcover everything's in full color front to back tons of cool diagrams all that good stuff lots of good science summaries um surveys that you can take to see where you're at um, and then if you do energyformula.com, there's a fasting for energy guide, a hidden chapter on natural movement that covers exercise snacks, uh, a recipe guide, Q and A's, a bunch of cool stuff. And it's all free. Awesome. And, Thank and if you, you hit me up on Instagram, uh, I will answer any of your questions on DM. So I answer my stuff. It's me. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and yet you focus on getting a good night's sleep, right? With all this. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's so good to have you on this podcast. Thank you for being on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I want to thank our audience for listening in today. Really like the pillars of the Girlfriend Doctor are that we nourish our body, right? Awaken our mind, embrace those we love with passion and shine from the inside out. And there are, you know, many little steps that we're going to take throughout our days to get us where we need to, to go. The little shifts that we make mentally, but remember physiology is 
you know, it can be, drives our behaviors, our physiology is driving our behavior, getting clear, getting into ketosis, eating clean, living life with movement and purpose and intention is, you know, is the key, the secret to a strong immune system, is the secret to a long, healthy life, is a key ingredient to a healthy marriage, healthy relationship. So I want to thank y'all for being with me today. Remember, I'm the Girlfriend Doctor, and there's no such thing as too much information. You can ask or tell me anything. So visit me at dranna.com forward slash show, and I'll look forward to next time. See you then. 